Amen. Amen. Man, he is good, isn't he, y'all? Goodness gracious, he's just so good. He's good to me. He's good to our church. He's good to you, even in the middle of our trials and our stresses and all of life's challenges. He's good. You know, here we are in December. Uh, December's one of my favorite months, one of my favorite times. Anybody else just totally dig into December and the, the Christmas season? Yeah, some of y'all, some of y'all are like, yeah. And the rest of y'all are bah humbug, right? The rest of y'all are too busy to slow down and enjoy the month of December. Do you know in, in the liturgical calendar and, and, and a lot of uh, churches, denominational churches, uh, you know, they're, they're practicing Advent season. And you know what Advent season is? It's a preparation for the coming of the Lord. And, and I think December is a month we all ought to slow down and recognize that we are about to celebrate the birth of our risen Savior. And, and, and sometimes if we're not careful, we're too busy and we're just going and going and going and we roll right past it. We're trying to get gifts for everybody. We're trying to string lights. We're trying to get everything ready for the holidays. And then before you know it, you're taking it all down and you're like, whew, that was exhausting. And that's why some of you don't enjoy this season. Maybe if we would just slow down a little bit and we would practice recognizing our Savior who's coming and trusting that he's going to move in the midst of our busyness, I think we'll enjoy life. We'll enjoy the holidays, Christmas and New Year's. We'll enjoy the season. We'll enjoy our family. We'll enjoy uh, working and doing the things that we have to do because this month I'm kicking off a sermon series titled Christmas Lights. Christmas lights. How many of you at your house put some Christmas lights up on the outside? Yeah. How many, how many of you put Christmas lights on the inside and Christmas trees and decorations? Yeah. Look at us. How many of you are afraid to raise your hands in church? <laughs> yeah, there's a few, right? Well, there you go. You got it, man. Proud of the three of you. Man, y'all are stretching already. Look, if you know anything about me, I can be a lighting nerd. You know, come on, I, I light, uh, just a nerd. I'll receive it. I'll receive it, right? I, I, it lights to me just just make a difference. Uh, it sets a mood. It changes things. When light comes on scene, something happens. Come on, y'all. You're the same way. You put the Christmas tree up and you turn the lights on with it and you just kind of look at it in this amazement, don't you? Like something just changed in the space. Some of y'all, I know y'all are like Christmas decorating crazy people. You're like, Halloween, come on, hurry up and get over so we can start setting up for, you know, Christmas. You, you love the, the lights and you love what it looks like and what it brings. And this month, we're going to be in this season where we look at light. But first, I want to give you a challenge. Slow down. Slow down. Hey, hey, parents, have you ever told your kids just, hey, slow down. You're going to miss it. Slow down. If you've had high schoolers and they've gone through school and they get to their senior year and you're like, you just wish time would slow down. Well, 
That's a choice that we get to make. And you will choose this season whether you'll slow down and see the lights or you'll just bowl right through. There's this house in our neighborhood who goes all out. I mean, all out. It's uh, actually Mr. Blackburn. He owns Incredible Pizza. And his, his house is insane in our neighborhood. I'm telling you, millions in lights. It's just, it, it's just, it's, you, just it's, you have to go by multiple times to soak it all in. And we were very disappointed this year when we drove by his house. And then we learned, my Lizzie told us, that he has moved from our neighborhood this year. And I'm like, well, where did he go? <laughs> I need to know where he went so I can go by his house. Why? Because I need to see the lights. Y'all, this season, we need to see the light. And the wise men, the wise men traveled from where? Afar. And Bible theologians will say that some, some would argue over 9,000 miles, two and a half years they would travel from the east to be able to find the Savior, by then a toddler. But, but what is it that guided them to the Savior? The star, the light. That, that's what they were following, the light. They were looking for the light. This season, this Christmas, are you looking for the light? Could you imagine being on that journey with the wise men? Could you imagine the challenges could you imagine how many times they wanted to quit? Could you imagine the obstacles that they had to overcome? And yet they reached their destination. They reached it. You will reach your destination too. Like God will bring you through all these trials in your life and you will get there. I found this when I was reading on this Bethlehem star. Go study it sometime. It's fascinating when you start reading it. It's where the scriptures and science collide. And I believe when you start digging into science that it only justifies and highlights the scriptures. I read this. It says, nothing in science is ever closed, nor is it in history. We may never know if the star of Bethlehem was a conjunction, an astronomical event, or a fable to advance Christianity. Maybe it was simply a miracle. Come on, I'll, I'll subscribe to that. The miracle of God and how he uses light to usher in salvation. One thing we do know is that it was light that led the wise men toward Jesus Christ. From where? Afar. I don't know how far you are from the life-saving grace of Jesus Christ, but I am telling you, if you will look for the light of Jesus Christ, you will journey and you will find him. I've titled the sermon today, Revealed in the Light. It's revealed in the light. What, what's, what's the opposite of light? Come on, this isn't hard. Darkness. Darkness. Yeah, he got it, man. He was out, right? He was ready to go. Like, like, but does darkness exist? You go, well, it must exist because I've seen it. But the reality is darkness is merely the absence of light. 
You can't turn the darkness up or down. There's no dimmer switch for darkness. There's a dimmer switch for light. And light dispels the darkness. It, it pushes it away. But yet, it doesn't mean darkness doesn't exist. It's just the absence of light. Much like hell is the absence of Christ the separation from our Savior. Some of you are living in darkness. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9 says this, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give you relief to those, to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord reveals Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in a blazing fire with his powerful angels. Now I'm going to stop right there. He flooded this place with water. And he gave us a rainbow, what, to remind us that he won't do that again, okay? The world twists things, y'all. The world twists it. We got to look for the truth of the gospel and receive what he says today. It says he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about want to love God, obey his scriptures, obey him. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Look, when we live in darkness, we are pushing ourselves away from the light of Christ and we lose the favor of the Lord. You wonder why things may not be going well in your life. Could it be that you're struggling with sin? You're struggling with disobedience. You're flirting with darkness. Look, spiritual warfare is fought in darkness and light. Evil things happen in the darkness, but yet the light reveals what? The truth. The light reveals the truth. So today, we're going to look at three different angles of what light is, what it does, and, and how we might handle uh, darkness and light. Number one, uh, light dispels darkness. Light, light dispels it. Uh, again, darkness is simply, or light is simply the, the absence. No, I said that wrong. That darkness is the absence of light. You can't create it. But yet I think some of you think that it exists by your choice. But yet darkness is what we all start with. It's how much light do you choose to bring into your life and into your soul to dispel that darkness. Some of you have removed Jesus from your life. The light. And you don't even know it. You've taken the light off. The, the, the Satan is, is the master dimmer. And by choice and by choice and by choice, the light gets further and further away. Wouldn't it be odd if the sun, when it set, it just went, boop, just gone, right? Like here and then gone. It, it's, this, it's this dimming process, there's this twilight that happens. Uh, the sun, we, we mark the setting by the time when the top of the sun goes below the horizon. Boom, sunset. 
But we also know that at that moment, there's still light. We can still see. We don't have much light left. We know darkness is coming, but it's this process that happens as it gets dark. And then all of a sudden, you go, oh, wow, it just got dark. Well, it had been getting dark for hours, but you really didn't realize it because you've been conditioned to know what happens. The sunrise is the opposite. Some of you love to be out in the deer stands and out in the leases. Why? Because you love to see the, the, the world come alive and the, and, the, and the sun come up and it starts to brighten things up and then the light comes. We've got to understand how this works. Let's look at Genesis. We're going to go back to the very beginning. I'm talking the beginning of the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Come on, you're probably very familiar with it, but I want you to see it through the lens of Christmas lights. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Oh, I read that this day. I go, oh man, come on. The spirit of God hovering over the deepness, over the waters. I'm like, yes, he was a nautical seaman too, right? Like, come on. Yes. Out at sea is where God is. And I go, man, I can't argue that. I, I tell you sometimes being out at sea, come on, maybe you've been on a cruise on a night where there was no moon. I remember being in the Bering Sea and it being just freezing cold, uh, literally and there was nothing to be seen the, the, except the, the, the stars, but the moon was gone. And you're like, man, it is so dark. I can't see my hand in front of my face. And it feels like what's just passed. It feels like the future is at hand's length because I can't see it yet. Just beyond that is where the spirit of God is resting. But then chapter 1 verse 3 says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. We forget this, y'all. We forget that there was a time when light did not exist. We forget that there was a time that electricity wasn't around, that when it got dark, it was dark. There was no loom of light from the car dealership on 45 that blared over into your neighborhood. It didn't exist. It was dark. I think we lose the spiritual awareness of darkness in our life. If you do not invite the light of the world, Jesus Christ, into your life, darkness is already there. It's just natural. That's where Satan plays. That's where evil happens. Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, what? They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. One little light. Think of when your power goes out and you can't see and you're searching for your cell phone and you turn your cell phone on and that light goes and all of a sudden you can see the whole room 
from that little bitty light or you light a candle, one candle, one flame in the middle of a pure dark room lights the whole space. Imagine what would happen in your life if you invited the light of Christ into your life. But beware, he's going he gonna to rattle, he's going he gonna to rattle your cage. He's going to rattle your cage. All right. If you, were, if you were here early this morning, you know I just won a bet. Second service. I get two lunches. He will rattle your cage. You know why? Because that light that comes in is going to expose some things that you don't want to see, that you don't want to admit, that you don't want to deal with because that light is dispelling the darkness. But before it's pushed, when it's pushed back, there's going to be some things that are exposed. Some of you wonder why your family members and your friends are yet to discover the Jesus Christ that you know. Could it be that you are not dispelling the light of Christ? Could it be that they don't see the life change in you yet that makes them go, you are different. Uh, What is it that's happened in your life? Because your life is so radically different than who you used to be. You talk different. You spend your money different. You react to your family different. You are different around me. What has happened to you? And you say, it's the light of Christ in me. He has revealed some things in, that I've been hiding in the dark and I've dealt with them and I've given them to the Lord and I don't deal with these problems anymore. I'm aware of the way I used to talk. I'm aware of the addictions I used to have. I'm aware of things that I was not aware of. And what you're seeing is merely a reflection of the light of Christ in me. And I don't have those problems anymore because the light is coming my life and that's where you get stuck and you want the light but the problem is you don't want to see what's hiding in the dark look these are serious questions some of you are afraid of the operating room lights could you imagine if you went in for surgery and they had like just a few candles lit and like, welcome. They got some soft music playing in the back. Like it was a spa or something, you know, like you'd be like, oh, I'm not so sure, man. You're going to cut me open and do this thing with just some little, I got a headlamp on. We'll be fine. Right. I got my iPhone light. I mean, no, you want, you want the brightest and the sharpest light in there. Come on. They roll you in the gurney and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, can y'all even see in here? You know, like, like what, what is, what is happening? And, and then they, they put you over on the table and they haven't even turned the brightest of the brightest lights on yet. That's the light that will reveal the sin in your life. 
And I think most of us don't want that operating room environment, yet that's where the sterile, most, most precise, most revealing and protecting and guarding light exists for us. And that's how we find healing is because of the light that doctors can see. And then they, they fix us up and they put us back into service. And God wants to do the same with your soul. Stop being so afraid of change. Stop being unwilling to change. Stop being so comfortable in the dark. Like when you drive around in December and, and, and you're in our community and you see these Christmas lights, I want you to see them differently. I want each light bulb that you see to remind you the goodness of God and the power of the light that he has on your life. I want you to see a light bulb and go, Lord, what is it in my life that I've been pushing in the dark? I want that light to reveal it so I can deal with it and reconcile it and so we can move forward. Get in the light. It dispels darkness, pushes it aside. Number two, beware. Earthly lights, they disorient they're disorienting. Earthly lights are there. Think of how the lights on a police car are flashing in your face when you're going down the road, how much they disorient you as the driver. Yet they warn you of a caution. There's an area, but as you drive by it, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm struggling to see the lanes because they're disorienting. Think of Vegas. The lights in Vegas, they're on 24 by 7. Everything is lit up. What do, they, what do they call Vegas? Sin City. How do you think it earned its name? Those, those lights are not the light of Christ that we're talking about today. Buckle up. Like, like we're being disoriented. Darkness abounds in our culture. Do you know I learned this when it came to mind that Vegas was called Sin City? I, I've, I've never been. Uh, I've seen the lights. I, I, the Coast Guard tried to have some conferences in Vegas uh, thinking, hey, it's the middle of the country kind of. We can fly in and out of Vegas pretty cheaply from different parts of the country. And some wise people, leaders at B said, absolutely not. I know Coast Guard men and women, we are not meeting in Vegas. Why? Because it's Sin City. Do you know that they quantify and rate certain areas of, the, of cities and determine how sinful the city is? Do you know they make a top 10 list of the most sinful cities in our nation? I didn't know this. They, they use seven, seven qualities and they rate the cities based on these seven qualities of, of anger and hatred, jealousy, excess and vices, greed, lust, vanity, and laziness. They literally do this. You can go Google the, the top 10 sinful cities in America, and you'll see that they look at each of these elements uh, of, the, of the communities, and do you know that Vegas rated number one, right? Sin City. 
It meets the highest quotient on all of those seven qualities, and that's not good. Do you know what the number two city is? Houston. I'm not kidding. It's Houston. We're pretty close, right? Number three, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Denver, Dallas, Phoenix, Miami, and Cleveland. Top 10 cities. I started thinking, look, y'all, this is, this is risky business. I, I like, look, man, shining the light on stuff isn't always fun. It isn't always good. Do you know what's in common with those top 10 sinful cities? Oh, man, I don't know if, I mean, IRS going to come chasing me when I start saying this stuff, but I don't care because as for me and my house, our church, we're going to stand for the Lord. Do you know that those are all liberal cities? They're all highly blue cities. They're all Democratic-led and Democratic-run. Like, I'm not much on the politics, but I'm going to tell you that a conservative city is not going to stand for this sin garbage, and we ought to stand up and say something about it. Like, like, think about, look at what's happening in these places. We're, we're putting darkness in these cities, but yet we're turning on the earthly lights and saying, no, look, there's nothing wrong here. You're being duped. Earthly lights will disorient you from the truth of the gospel. It's why when an accountability partner comes up to you and starts holding you accountable to some things that light is exposing, that's why you push away and go, okay, I don't want an accountability partner anymore. Like, come on. That's where we get. Like, shedding the light reveals the roaches. Go into the shed and turn the lights on. And what happens? <laughs> I think that's what we do. We laugh, but I think sometimes our souls act like roaches. We start having serious conversations about some things that we're seeing in our lives. And then somebody comes on. Hey, can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> we run from the light. It's Christmas time, y'all. We've got to see the light of the world. James 1, 16 through 17, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, all, all of us, every good and perfect gift is from above, hallelujah, coming down from the father of the what? The heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Here we are at Christmas time. What do we exchange? Gifts. What do we put up everywhere? Lights. Like, we've got to celebrate the right things. We've got to see that God is in the middle of all of this. The flashy lights of the world, they will lead you astray every single time. You're going to chase the lights, and you're going to, it's like the bug to the zapper. And you're going to be like, oh, I can't resist it. I had a friend of mine tell me this week, I thought it was funny. He said, you know what, Steve, I can resist anything except temptation. <laughs> Right? I'm like, that's me. Sometimes, you know, we're like, oh my gosh, it's the temptation of the earthly lights that reveal things that are like, oh, I want that. I, I want that. I want what they have. I'm going to go work extra hard so I can go get what I want, living beyond our means and struggling financially. And then all of a sudden, this church starts talking about tithing, and you're like, well, we can't do that. 
Well, you're chasing after the earthly lights. We're getting ready to celebrate the birth of a Savior. And we roll right past it. Because these earthly lights reveal things to us that satisfy. I like the way it feels. Turn on the lights, y'all. But remember the source of the light. Is it coming from the power grid? Or is it coming from the Holy Spirit of God? that puts inside of you this joy and this peace and this contentment in the middle of a trying time. We all know that this season that we are in right now increases suicide rate, increases depression, anxiety, fear, worry, financial ruin. Like we, 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 you know, we spend credit cards for everything and then we get to January and we try to pay off those Christmas credit cards by the time we get around to the next Christmas time so we can do it all over again. Like, like come on, we're being fooled. We all have darkness in us. We all have it. Th- this is why we must connect to the source of the light on a routine basis. You cannot hear a message one Sunday a week and go, all right, I'm good. I got the light of the world in me. Like you've got to say, Lord, I want to commit to you and your precision surgery in my soul. And I want to roll into the operating room of your economy. And I want you to do a mighty work in me. When you, when you fall into darkness, into temptation, can I give you some advice? Get up. Get up and turn the lights on. Just get up and say, say, not today, Satan. Like, get behind me. As for me and my house, will serve the Lord. A friend uh, of you should be able to lift you up and encourage you and tell you, you can do it. Come on, let's go. Get to Wednesday night group. One of the best things I heard this morning was a man said to another man, you look a lot better than you did on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean? You know, he goes, oh, come Wednesday, you look exhausted. You were tired. And then I started, I, I missed Wednesday men's group this week because Stacy was ill and I was home caring for her and the family and the kids. Come on, that's hard work, y'all. I'm still, still trying to catch up. Stacy does, no, Stacy does a lot around the house and, and, and ooh, I had to do it all myself and bedtime and, and all these things. I, I struggle, right? It was hard. It was a hard week. But, but what happened was the men, they came and they said, man, they look tired this Wednesday. And I'm like, Hallelujah. I, I, tell, I tell you, when you go to a group, I'd rather you come to a group and sleep than not come to a group. I'd, I'd rather you come tired because if you have people showing up to your small group and they look tired and haggard and like, whoo, this is a week, you're going to hallelujah. Why? Because they're there. Because they said, I'm not going home. I'm going to go into the light. I'm going to go and expose myself. I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I'm worn out. I'm battle-worn. But you know what? I'm showing up today. And that's how you know, man, you're doing it. 
You're doing it. Like, we don't want to do it week in and week out. We need rest too. But come on, like, if you're tired, that's not an excuse to skip church. It's not an excuse to miss out on these light moments that are going to wake you up and encourage you and highlight some areas in your life. Move away. Move away from these dark spots in your life. And I don't know which they are. I don't know what areas you need to say, okay, Lord, you need to operate on this. This addiction, this temptation, this, this struggle that I have. Now pay attention here. Wake up if you're sleepy. Because I'm about to read a lengthy passage of scripture and, I, and you need to focus on this. I, I, really, I really believe God has a word here. What happened was I, I saw something in the middle and I highlighted it. And I said, ooh, this is a good passage. And I wanted to put it on the screen for you. But then I backed up, you know, I back up and then read through. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where, how, do I, how do I do this? Like this is, the context of this is so powerful. It's so, it's so important. And I just say, you know, I'm just going to read it all to you. We're just going to work our way through it, okay? It's in Micah chapter 7, verse 1. It's titled, Israel's Misery. And here we are today looking at the Holy Land and ruin. So think of this. What misery is mine? I'm like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There's no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept away from the land. Not one upright person remains. Come on, this is Israel we're talking about, y'all. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire, and they all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar, the most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace. Guard the words of your lips, for a son dishonors his father. A daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are members of his own household. Man, can you see the darkness? Whew. Sometimes I look at our country and our circumstances, and I can, we can relate, can't we? And we've got it pretty blessed. But stand, stand by. But as for me... I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God, he will hear me. And then it says, Israel will rise. It says, do not gloat over me, the enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit, here it is, the scriptures. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and he upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and he will be covered with shame. Remember this courtroom we talk about a lot that I mentioned? At death, we're all going to find ourselves in a courtroom with the judge behind and we need an attorney, Jesus Christ, to come in and speak on our behalf and say, but I've got this one covered. 
and the judge to say, forgive him. And then Jesus to turn to you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Do you know my life? Mm. Church, we put lights on everything in December. Yet, we're disoriented. We can't see straight. We think it's what brings us comfort. Don't let these earthly lights fool you. They, they won't satisfy the judge in the courtroom. Oh, only Jesus can do that for you. Like live in the world, have some lights, put them up. I'm not saying don't, we do it. We have lots of lights in our house. Got them on remotes. They got like six buttons you got to push, you know, tink, 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 tink. you know, the meter outside, I think, just goes, as we start turning them on. We're paying for it. But as we're in the world, let's not be of the world. Like, I wanted you to see the lights. We put, we put Christmas lights on our church building. Drive by one night. We're lighting up the, the Savior. We want to celebrate him. Let's not be disoriented disoriented. You need holy light. You need the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And, and look what John has to say, chapter 9, verse 4 through 7. As long as it is day, we must do the work that he sent us. Night is coming when we can no longer work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus Christ said, red letters. So it's after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on a man's eyes. And what did he say? He said, go. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. The, the, world, the word Siloam means sent, not shalom, peace, but Siloam, sent. So the man went, and he washed, and he came home seeing. He received the light. You want healing? Get in the light. Now, he may not heal your body, but he'll heal your soul. Because these bodies, they, man, I'm tell you what, when, when mine's done at the end of the end of my game, it's gonna be worn up, beat up, bruised, wore out, man. I'm not gonna want any part of it. But my soul, oh, I want it fully repaired fully healed, fully ready for the embrace of Jesus Christ. Do I have your attention? Now let's go into the operating room before we go. Point number three, heavenly lights, they reveal. The light of Christ, it reveals. Do not be afraid of the light. The brightest, purest light. How many of you have been in an operating room and you can relate. And you're like, yep, I, I know this light you're talking about. That's the light of Christ. Even in that operating room, when you see it, it's alarming, isn't it? Like, whoo, I didn't expect that. I didn't know that. Some of you may work there. Some of you may be in that environment. You might understand it. 
Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Isn't that good? And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Y'all, churches in America, we're hiding in darkness. We don't even know it. The world sees us in this darkness like roaches. They turn the light on and we run because we're afraid. We're afraid to stand for the word of the Lord. We're afraid to speak out. That's what's happened. Do you know why Nazis had such success combating the Jews? It's because they didn't stand up and revolt against it with love and truth and grace. It's time to wake up. It's time to stand in the Christmas lights. We allow the heavenlies the light of the world, the, wor- the, the Lord, to reveal the darkness in your life. Maybe it's a bad attitude that needs to go. Guilty is charged. Maybe it's a negative spirit that is in you and you see the things bad that can happen. Guilty is charged. How about fear of the future? How about worry, anxiety, stress? How about letting go of control and saying, I can't do this anymore? I had an endoscopy, upper endoscopy this week, and my sister went with me because they, they give you propofol, and you go to take a, I call it a Michael Jackson nap. May not be appropriate, right? <laughs> but um, I said it what it is and I have to sit there come on y'all if you know me you know I like to control things if we're going if we're going to go somewhere I just soon drive right I like to be in charge I learned it from my mom and then the coast guard enhanced it but am I willing to surrender it Hear hear, hear me? God's going to allow you to be in control of some things if you will surrender it to him. What is it in your life that you've got to let go of? This is a great time because you've got reminders of lights all around you. The psalmist writes, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold in my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When I first became a Christian, we were walking through, I don't know, some Christian bookstore, and they had some picture frames. And I saw this picture that I really liked. It was a lighthouse. And it said, and and there's a stormy sea, there's lightning bolts, and there's this lighthouse, and it has this scripture. Has this scripture. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Don't be afraid of what God wants to do in you. He's the light. He's your salvation. There's a long list of things that need to be revealed in your life. 
Why? Because you're human and we're sinful and God wants to show them to us. I, I seek solid counsel to help reveal darkness in my life by, by pastor friends of mine, peers, by, by a, a pastor of, of mine that, that, that I talk to about pastoral things. I have a licensed counselor that helps me navigate the challenges of life. I have brothers in my life. Like, who do you have that helps you through this? We can't, we can't do this alone. You can't handle it by yourself. When you go into the operating room to correct your body, it's not just you in there or you and one person. What is around a team of people? Got to, I mean, just, just all orchestrated and just right, and they work together seamlessly. The amount of people that operated on my body when I had open heart surgery, I don't know how they all fit in the room. And then you turn the corner, walk, go rolling. I was rolling. I wasn't walking, right? I'm, I'm rolling out of the corner, and the anesthesiologist is next to me. And we turn the corner to go, you know, toward the operating room. And I see a line of people as I start to fade away. All there for me, to help me. Won't you look around? And see these people that are sitting beside you. It's okay. Look at them. I'm looking at each of you. Look at them. Look around the room. You're even, it's even hard for you to look around the room to see the people that are there to help you. Like, like, like I mean, I'm serious. Like, like, see the people. These are your brothers and sisters that are willing to go in the operating room with you of your soul and say, I need your help. Let's not go this alone. One thing's for sure as I close. Heavenly light will change you. You cannot be who you used to be. I'm even going to go as far as you can't be around who you used to be around and expect your life to radically change. Your friends will change. Your work may change. Like, I don't know what God is going to do in your life. As we close 2023 this year, there's not much of it left. I want you to look in your life and say, Lord, what can I change? And some of you are so resistant to change. That's what's keeping you from finding the light of Christ in your life. You're a Christian. You're saved by his grace. You've accepted him. The problem is there's no transformation. And your life is just as miserable as it was before. And there's so much more that he has for you. Will you allow the light of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father to shine on you this month, this year, next year, forever? Will you have the joy of the Lord like the children that we hear <laughs> screaming and having fun in the back? That's what God has for you. Let's do this well. Let's pray. God, we're here today. And we're so thankful that you give us light. And we don't have to live in darkness. That we're not stuck in these moments of despair. 
that you shed light. God, I ask today that as we go forward, we, we see this light of Christ, the opportunity to step into it as a gift from you. And God, when those roaches of our life start to scramble around, God, will you give us the power to zap them and the authority in the name of Jesus Christ to overcome them and to fall away from temptation and to right some wrongs and to live differently so not just our friends and family can see us, but the world can see a radical transformation in us. We need to be light in a dark world. Our world is fallen and you are using us. Fallen people, just like you used your disciples, the messy people in, in, the, in the communities that you walked in. You're going to use us just like them to transform our community. God, may Refuge Church be a bright light in Conroe, Texas, surrounding. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.